When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello and welcome to the latest Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. I'm your host, Sam Carroll, and I'm joined by, first and foremost, Ian Crow. Hello, Ian. Hi, Sam. Just uh, enjoying the pressure on our hosting today. Yeah, I'm uh, taking that off Ian's excellent uh, view from the Cladders Podcast, which... Mm. If you haven't already tuned in, is, is this week's episode a good one, Ian, or is it just the, the usual rubbish? It is. We talked about uh, the game on Sunday, and we talked about one year since Ronald Koeman was sacked and stuff like that, so yeah. I'm making his return to the Royal Blue Podcast today. It's Gavin Buckland. Gav, good to have you here. Hi, Sam. You okay? Not too bad. And fresh from Marco Silva's, fresh-faced from Marco Silva's press conference this afternoon, it's our Everton correspondent, Adam Jones. Hello, Sam. We found him anyway. We He's did. in hiding after this player. Yeah, apparently, I, apparently I've been in hiding. Do you, you want to make? Do you want to make a statement, Adam, about the Michael Keane six saga? I mean, I think the six says it all. Like, I, I thought it was just a, a, a six performance. I think he's played better this season. It's just my opinion. It'd be all. Bo- it'd be boring if we all had the same opinion. Oh, exactly. At the end of the day. I think what, what I thought it was just that. <laughs> well, it would, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would. Yeah. I thought it was just that he won so many headers in the second half, didn't he? But centre-halves are meant to win headers so you, I suppose you were convenient miss, missing from that podcast he, w- he, he won 64% of his headers Ian Crowley is basically accusing you is basically saying you should not have your days off of a week well, you should now work seven days a week well it's a, it's a fair argument should we quickly move on <laughs> <laughs> I also like today we, we just need to quickly point out that there's four of us sitting around the table and Dave Prentice is on the front of today's Echo Dave is on holiday this week but he's here in spirit with his footy picks he's always with me in spirit yeah Dave yeah. Prentice is always with us in spirit. So let's <laughs> let's get down to it. Uh, yesterday, Andre Gomez, uh, Kurt Zuma, Lucas Dean, anyone else took a, took Bernard. a tour? And Bernard, Evans New Sands, took a tour around the city. Andre Gomez invested uh, in a jumper for a child. I don't know why his mum and dad hadn't dressed him in a jumper. They just dressed him in the Everton <laughs> away kit to, to go out on a frosty October afternoon. Andre Gomez bought him some uh, an Everton coat, an Everton uh, scarf. Adam... Everton didn't just sign good footballers this summer, did they? They've signed good people. Yeah, I think it's something that Marcus Silva brought up in his press conference just then. It, he, he's Obviously, he wanted to focus on the quality of the players that he was bringing in this summer, but it's also the character that the the the, uh, the players are bringing. And I think they, they, they've all fit in so well. I mean, obviously, we've seen Richarlison at the end of nearly every game. He's going around giving his shit away to kids I'm sure Jimmy Martin's absolutely fuming he's <laughs> wasted, wasted so much money on these shirts but like Richard, Richarlison has always had that connection to fans Bernard's been doing doing that for weeks now obviously we've seen Bernard went and shook every single person's hand on the bus <laughs> did he actually? literally there's one little video of it yeah. I mean um, we've seen Andre Gomez as well we saw that little video of him like hug, hugging that kid Jordan, Jordan the air that little event that they were doing, which yeah, is yeah. just, it, should, it, it is just incredible to see how quickly that they, they're fitting in with the fans and it's, it's, it's that kind of connection. They just, they just get the club. I know it's a bit of a, a, a weird thing to say. Everton fans don't really like it, but they just, they do just get the club. And I, d- I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a, an extremely good thing looking forward. 
after the, I think we can we can safely now call it a, a debacle of, of of last summer, Gav. Do you think it was important that Brands and Silver kind of got its spot as right as they have done seemingly so far? Got it right straight away. I think was the important thing. Um, I think we had to switch things around quickly, didn't we? And the good thing for me is that um, the players he brought in have been amongst our better players so far this season. You know, forced away. You know, in 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 one or two instances, you know, to the into the first team ahead of some sort of established um, senior players. So it was vitally important that we did that. And it's also, you know, important in this day and age to show a connection with, with the public, I think, as a player. I think it's uh, at a time when players do get criticised, I think anything you can do to sort of like gain a rapport with the, the public and not just Everton supporters, but the wider public. I think that's vitally important as well. So, yeah, so it, it, was, it was good news on, you know, several different angles, to be fair. Is that important for you as well, Ian? You know, over the last few years, there has kind of been that that drop-off. You know, people like Ronald Koeman, who, who wouldn't even refer to the club in his press conferences. We and us, it was always, you know, they and Everton and even, you know, Sam Allardyce, who, who, who totally misunderstood the fan base completely. Is, is it so important that Brand, Silver and all these new signings are buying into what the kind of the club motto Neil Satters and Nissi Optum stands for? Yeah, I, th- I think it's important after, you know, the past couple of managers that we've had, you know, the reconnect. I think it was mentioned in the press conference as well. Mm. Um, Vinny O'Connor mentioned it. That you know, he asked, um, he asked Silver, "Do you feel like that the connection now with the fans is starting to come back?" And it is so so important. It is because the fans want to feel as much as the players want to feel loved and wanted. You know, that the fans want it as well by the players, and it needs to be reciprocated as well. I mean, you know, for me, the input, the important stuff is the stuff that Richardson's been doing with the fans. I think the past couple of days, like it's been great to see, you know, Bernard and Sil, um, Gomez, you know, mixing with the fans on that bus. I mean, without sounding a bit of a cynic, it's, that's probably like contractual agreements, isn't it? That the players have got to do, but you know, I'm sure they'd be more than happy to do it. And I think I think that the connection between the players and the fans is so important. And I mean, you, you're seeing the rewards of it. I think already, like from that from that game against Crystal Palace, you know, the atmosphere that we had towards the end of that match, yeah. it was like from the penalty save onwards, it was a bit like a and a never say die. Look, we're just gonna, we're going to try and shout the team home kind of kind of thing. And I feel I feel like it's because they had the connection to these sorts of players already. Yeah, it's an interesting one. This isn't it? I was. Uh... In Jordan Pickford's post-match discussion, he, 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 there was a throwaway line he put in that um, we need the crowd to be excited or whatever for us to perform. And I thought that was a that was a strange comment in the circumstances. That mm. so what what we saying that if it's quiet and a bit tepid, the atmosphere the players aren't up for well, it. It's probably, it's probably something for him that he's yeah, not really yeah. experienced. Like yeah. that that arguably that would be the best atmosphere that Pickford's ever experienced as an Everton player I think, yeah. I think the only one that had come close would be that 4-0 against West Ham and at the end of the day that's West Ham it's yeah. a bit of an age old debate though isn't it like what comes first the, the players on the pitch or or the crowd I think mm. sometimes it can be a mixture of both I mean the one that um, calls to mind is when Phil Neville went in was it Man United on that yeah uh, against Ronaldo, Ronaldo yeah. Yeah, yeah and you know the crowd just got up everyone loves a good good challenge especially at Goodison Park, do you know yeah. what I mean? A bad refereeing decision where the referees, you know, seems to be against you, the fans, then then just they start getting riled up. I mean, I don't know what comes first. I think it can be a mixture of both, really. Yeah, and what, what I'm saying there is, is like, you know, what we said talking about the stuff off the pitch. Yeah. Does does that actually, contrib- you know, that bond or whatever, that connection that you got off the pitch before the game or during the week of a game, 
that appears to be very hard to replicate on mm. on match days, doesn't he? That I was sitting next to somebody at the was the the last uh, the League Cup game against Southampton. And they turned around and said, why is it so quiet? And there was like many different reasons. You can't put, put a pin, you know, you can't uh, say exactly why. But it was just, just it always appears to need a stimulus, doesn't it, during the game? Like a sending off like a penalty save to get everybody sort of up. And, and I think uh, <laughs> it was just, it was a strange, it was a strange but understandable comment, I thought, from Pickford. No, I think the problem is like that we had last season, whilst there was such a disconnect, as, as Sam's mentioned there, between even like the fans and the manager, let alone like the, the fans and the players. Whenever you're seeing like the players put in subpar performances at Goodison yeah. Park, it's a, it's a lot harder to not get on their backs because you don't feel that sort of connection with them. You don't feel like you need to give them any sort of encouragement because, you know, like what do, do they actually care about the club? Mm. Now you're seeing these, these players coming in and instantly they look like they care about not just how yeah. the club are performing on the pitch, but how the fans are feeling off the pitch as well. And I think that Palace game was a perfect example of we weren't really playing well for the first hour or so, but it was just that one yeah. that like the after the penalty miss, like the crowd just seemed to change for me and they started to get behind it. And I, and I think it was because these players have instantly started, they've, they've given them something to shout for, essentially. I think that, that in the grand scheme, I think that's, that's what it is because probably over the past, you know, five years or so, we haven't had much to show us about. We've literally been mid-table, haven't we? Yeah. You know, we talked about on the podcast the other week. I don't think I was on, but I listened to it. Some of your best atmosphere that you've been to, Cousin Park, and even Wimbledon got a shout. It was a relegation fight, do you know what I mean? But mm. although we don't want to be fighting relegation, at least it was sort of to show for we wanted to survive relegation. We've literally been stuck in the middle of the table the past couple of years without anything to look forward to. Almost going the game for the sake of it. Nothing yeah. to shout about. Mm. At least if we were fighting for Champions League, you know, Europa League even, you know, there'd be a, an urgency, some sort of a motivation to to will your team on as well. Yeah. So, so what we do off the pitch is important then in that context. No, obviously it, yeah. it is. Yeah. I think that, that that's a connection within the communities as yeah. well though. And obviously Everton in the community itself, you know, slightly, you know, a different from the, the club, obviously it's still the same, but, you know, different organisation itself. It's it's so important. Mm. And obviously Evertonians in the near future could be moving into a new home on, on Bramley Moor. That, that news broke this Wednesday and Marco Silva spoke a little bit about that as well today, Adam. What, what are your overall feelings? There, there wasn't kind of a, a unified positivity from, from the fan base about the news, was there? No, I think the, the problem is that there is a bit of scepticism and there's a bit of impatience and I can understand it in some respects. But on the other hand, I like to see the club going about this the right way. And I think this is absolutely the right way of going about it. You know, this wider public consultation does have to happen. It is it is absolutely vital for planning permission, which we're going to be looking at later on next year. Like, we need we need to absolutely get this right. I don't, I don't think it, we should be trying to rush through it. Like, we've not even got the funding definitely in place yet. You know, we've got, it's understood that there's multiple bidders, like, falling over themselves, we've been told, trying to... Uh, trying to secure funding for this. It looks like we're going to be heading towards the private model now rather than anything offered up by the council. So, you know, we we have got to get this sort of consultation process right. And I think this is just a, a big opportunity for Everton fans. You know, these 17 days across the city, if you if you don't know why the club are doing it or you know, you've got so many questions about it, I, I'd suggest you going down to these consultations and, and finding out for yourself because they'll be able to give you any sort of information that you need and having, having a meeting with the club earlier in the week I, I can only have 
positive thoughts about what what's to come. Definitely, Gav, exciting times for you, or are you one of the skeptics? Uh, no, certainly not a skeptic. I, I uh, share Adam's thoughts really that that in the past there's two maybe been three attempts mm. in the last twenty years to move ground. I think the club are conscious of getting it right this time, and if that means treading cautiously and slowly to get there. Then um, I think you know I fully support what what's gone on really uh, this week. Um, the concern I've got, well, the two concerns I've got really about the, the move is 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 I I've not got a problem on timescales as such because it'll happen when it happens. It's 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 longer the period of time between starting in 2017 and finishing will impact on the eventual price you pay for the stadium. Mm. And then that will impact on, dare I say, capacity and, dare I say, the place that people have got to pay to get, get in. And that, and that the longer that period of the time is, then the more it's going to cost. The second thing, I think, is is more the... It's not that done football. I think it's the whole infrastructure around the stadium as well. Because there's two parts to this, isn't there? Mm-hmm. No, it's not just the stadium. It's everything about it's around. It has, regeneration and yeah, yeah. all yeah, yeah. all has to happen really around the same time mm-hmm. and the same time as Goodison. And it's getting them all then connected and all brought to fruition around the same time. So we haven't got this, you know, and it won't happen, but, you know, the, the, the ludicrous position of having a cramp but having nothing <laughs> by it, you know. So yeah. I mean, that, that needs to be avoided as well. So unlike unlike Arsenal and Spurs, who I think the only ones in the, the 21st century to build a new ground themselves in the Premier League, it, it's a lot more, it depends on a lot more than just the stadium mm. being built for, for the whole thing to, to fall into place. And those are the two, the two main concerns I've got is the longer it goes on the place and all the other infrastructure around it as well. Mm. But the delay is frustrating, obviously, but first and foremost, you know, Everton have got to move into this new stadium. And if that takes another year on to what originally was planned, then, then so be it. I think we've got no other option now other than Bramley Moore. Otherwise, if this fails, it's going to be another, what, 15, 20 years probably because we're going to have to find another site. If this doesn't happen, we're going to have to go through the whole process again of what we're doing and it just, again, just add time on it. So this has got to happen, this stadium. It's no other option. And this consultation period is obviously vital to it. I think it's interesting that our political reporter, Liam Thorpe, uh, made the point in the week that Liverpool have gone through a, a similar process in terms of, well consultation on a smaller scale for the was it the bands and music to be played mm-hmm. at Anfield and they basically went the, the, the wrong way about it completely so whether Everton have seen that and not learning from the mistakes but avoiding the mistakes that Liverpool made then I think that's potentially what it is I don't know I mean Adam might you might know more than the most well, about that I think I think the, there's there's no doubt that they'll have looked at what Liverpool have done and they obviously won't won't want to follow that model. I think that the thing is, with like the time scale, the exact time scale of when different things are going to be released. You know, like design, like new designs, maybe planning permission. They've all, they've always been quite vague about when when this is going to happen because, as Gav said, this is such a massive project. Yeah. Not not just in terms of stadium, but regenerating that whole Bramley Moor area, regenerating Goodison as well. You know, there's there's so many different variables that can experience delays like i think i think this is this is just what one of the one of those delays it's it, it, it's it's just going to happen like in, ter- in terms of why designs haven't been released yet why would you release designs if you haven't got the funding in place 
to do it, yeah. One thing that strikes me as strange, whether you agree or not, we're, we're going to consult with the public, Everton fans and, you know, just general public. Do we not need designs to show the public of what, again, the stadium's going to look like, but the infrastructure around's going to look like? Do we not, the, the club not need to feed information back on that? Would it would it not be strange for the, for us to say we're building this stadium, but we don't we don't know what it's going to look like yet? Does that matter? It's just the concept, isn't it? You, 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 mm-hmm. you sort of but what about them. like everything else around it, though? Well, that, that's the thing for me. Is that, that's that's the got images of Ian sat with Dan Mighty. Yeah. like, no, take take a few seats off that stand, mate. You're doing it all <laughs> yeah, wrong. Yeah, 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 <laughs> Those yeah, dimensions yeah. are all yeah. wrong. You, you've built about five stadiums <laughs> in your life, but <laughs> the managers the managers dog out the wrong side. But, you know, that shows you, but you are right. Ian. it shows like inherently complex thing that building it where, where it's being built is and building the stadium is. But but to me, uh, as I say, that's the thing that that sometimes we ignore at our pedal is all getting all that infrastructure right. Because there was a point made, I think, um, this is one of the other problems we face in terms of moving ground, is that if you're outside London, you're at a disadvantage, aren't you? It's like Spurs. They've always known if if they had to move from White Hart Lane by saying they put the other ground was as if you like all other London clubs, you've got other options available to you. You could play it like Twicken, I suppose, or Wembley. But if you're outside of London, you haven't got that option, have you? Yeah. Mm. You know, you've got to make it the whole thing coincide that the day, the season we leave Goodison Park, we're in Bramley Moor the following season. I'll fully we, get behind Everton v Man United yeah. on Walton Park Astro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> like <a> big <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like the whole, that's what I'm saying, the whole thing has to coincide. Mm. The, the, the three things, the, the redevelopment of L4, the, the, the infrastructure and the stadium. And that, that's the concern for me as mm-hmm. well, apart from the stadium being built. Uh, a concern of the club uh, seems to be as well, you know, obviously moving into a new ground, a new shiny ground, very exciting, Adam. But Paul Gorse this week looked back at what teams like Tottenham, uh, Arsenal, even the likes of Atletico Madrid and Juventus have done with their stadium when they've moved out. And most teams just demolish the old ground and do the old house build on the old side. Everton seemingly want to go down the other way. I've seen uh, reports this week that the club are looking at a host of options, one of them even building a, a sort of dementia village to, to look after people uh, with dementia and Alzheimer's. So you know, we've all grew up going to Goodison on, on, on a weekly basis. Uh, is it important for you that Goodison isn't just turned into you know hat houses and flats and, and really something kind mm. of worthwhile is done on the site? Well, yeah, I think it's massively important. I think... Gutherson Park is is and probably probably will be for a while Everton's most famous ever home. Like generations of fans have what only watched Everton at Gutherson Park, and it'd just be weird for the club to just demolish demolish the stadium and then move away like like we were never there. Like I think it's really important that the footprint of Everton still still remains at in in L four there, and I think. Any, any sort of Everton in the community-led projects around there are just, they're, they're the best way to go about it. And I, I'm really proud of Everton for, for coming up with plan, plans such as this one. Same for you, Gav. Is, is that is that important for you? Absolutely. I said that on the very first time this was discussed on the pod like eight, 18 months ago, that bear in mind, but we don't know the nature of L4, you know, in terms of the area itself, is the club has a responsibility to ensure that when it leaves, there's there's a... Like that word legacy, but that, that you know that the that the the community that they've left doesn't suffer massively as a as a consequence in terms of you know, local businesses and we know what we're talking about here. Um and, and I think the club has how how that is handled, I think, you know, is is 
I'm pretty open minded about it. It's not really, you know, it's something that concerns me. It's just making sure that we do something that the community does. Because they are, you know, for, for whatever it is, 20, 25 days a, a year, the, the, that whole area changes completely, doesn't it? And I think um, we need to make sure that there's no long lasting damage on, on, on the partner. And I said that on the very first time we, we discussed this issue, you know. Mm-hmm. Same for you, Ian? Yeah, obviously, you know, you never know. Anything could change, couldn't it, over the next couple of years, plans. And, you know, if an investor comes in, offers a lot of money for the land or whatever, you don't know. But, you know, I think Everton approved over the past, tw- like, 15, 20 years that they are, they are in the community. So I've got no doubts about the fact that, you know, as Gav said, that a legacy of, of some sort will be left within that area. Absolutely. Obviously, I think for Ian and Adam in the same boat as me, we've only seen Everton play at Goodson. But Gav, what was it like seeing Everton play at Anfield? <laughs> 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 well, Not the away right. game either. That's what I'm You know, what? you telegraphed that comment about like 20 minutes. Just no, while Ian was yeah. talking, I just... Yeah, very good. Last night, got to bed about four in the morning. The title, up there, you know. <laughs> no, but uh, it, it is, you know, moving ground is, it's a massive thing, isn't it? And we, we should lose sight and should lose sight in that. And also, the, the last couple of years, in other clubs have been problematical in that that on leaving. The one thing I would say about any legacy stuff though is I'm not sure how it's going to be financed. Mm. You know, and, and how much the club, if the club does contribute is, is a is a moot point for me, you know. Um because they are a football club with responsibilities but that there needs to be a balance there. They shouldn't be substituting their services shouldn't be substituting somebody else's services should be providing it, you know, and I think that's the other point to make on it. Have you got a concern that this consultation, which is obviously part of the process, don't get me wrong, but the club are buying a bit more time in terms of funding with, with this announcement? They're like, they're not, maybe not struggling, but they're... I don't know I'm saying it's there, and, and I think I think Joe Anderson's moved to that at the past, hasn't he? That mm. there's other, you know, other, other offers or whatever it is on the table. Um, as you say, we'll have maybe have a clear picture once that consultation's finished. So I don't think buying time is as such. I think it's just gathering more information. But and they're talking about what next second half of next year mm. for planning permission. Yeah, plan. yeah. And so they still they, 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 half a billion pound projects, building projects are massive. I think it's just, like jobs, this consultation you know, and, is just the main thing yeah. about it is just to make sure the planning permission goes through smoothly because yeah. for that to happen, you've got to have. Not just the, obviously the support of Everton fans who are, who are all going to want this new stadium and this new project, but the, the, in terms of everyone who's going to be living in that area, anyone, everyone in the city as a whole, and it, to be honest, it just makes sense for anyone living in the city to regenerate a, a, an area that's got literally nothing in it at the minute. Like you can't even you can't even go to Bramley more, mm. like as it stands right now. Don't care whether it's a world heritage site. Like, what's the point if you can't go to it? Is that a nice like, little walk. <laughs> you can't, you can't yeah. even walk on it. Like it's, it's really strange. Like I just don't see, I don't see how this doesn't happen. To be honest, well, so, it's got to happen, hasn't it? Because as you said, no, Ian, there's, there's no other options, isn't there? Available when there's Walton Park Astro. The, yeah, <laughs> the, there's so much riding on this in terms of reputations, isn't there? Yeah, this will be the fourth time now, including Walton. Yeah, I've seen previous ones before, plans before then about moving to Aintree in the in the seventies and stuff. And <laughs> cool, you know. So that's what uh, I mean. But so you, back in the seventies, then and then it's thirty, forty years later. Yeah. If this doesn't happen, this stadium, you're looking at another ten, twenty years. I think, I think before it even you know 
just getting planning permission and finding another site. Mm. I think the difference this time has obviously got to be Farhad Mashiri, hasn't it? You know, Everton have never had an in, an investor like that. And I think he'll he'll be making sure, as as Gav put, you know, it is about legacy and it's about you know Mashiri. I think wants to to have that imprint on the club. But we'll we'll move back onto the onto the football now, and obviously we take on Manchester United at Old Trafford on Sunday. Adam, you wrote today that it could be the perfect time to take on the Red Devils. Yeah, yeah. I, I know they've they've found their feet again. They they tripped up a few a few weeks ago, didn't they? They've managed to stumble back to their feet again. But there's still those lingering questions over Jose Mourinho. Like he doesn't, he definitely doesn't look comfortable on, on the touchline. Like I know he's always got something like some sort of edge about him, but he he is still looking really tetchy in his interviews. Like whenever he's prowling that touchline for Man United, it just doesn't look right for him. He's in that fated third season for him as well. Like it's it's bound to go wrong at some point, isn't it? Uh they've got players who are potentially looking for moves away. Even just over the last couple of weeks you've got Anthony Martial's apparently rejected a new contract. Alexis Sanchez is eyeing up a move to Paris Saint Germain. Romelu Lukaku wouldn't be an international break without him talking about possibly being on the move. He's talked about a possible move to Juventus. You know, Paul Pogba's had a very public falling out with Jose Mourinho in the training grounds. You know there's this undercurrent of things just not going right at Manchester United. And then when you add on the injury problems that they've got, Maduan Fellaini's out, who's been a big player under Mourinho. Yeah. Diogo Dallo is out. Alexis Sanchez himself is out injured for this weekend. They potentially could be welcoming Jesse Lingard back, but it's whether Mourinho wants to risk him or not for this game. You know, there's a lot going on at Manchester United at the minute. I just feel like they might be a bit distracted. It's the perfect time to play a bit and then for them, isn't it? Really, isn't it? <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you think that, that, that was going to be the next question? Do you think then this is the perfect time? You know, you see it a lot on social media. You know, I think we've, we've all said it to each other at the match. Everton, that, that kind of, you know, Everton have won three games on the run. United just came off the back of a defeat to uh, Juventus. Romelu Lukaku hasn't scored in eight games. You know, we're playing well. They're not really. Is this the perfect time to, to, to really... This could be the start of, of Marco Silva's, you know, could really kickstart what he wants to do at Everton, couldn't it? Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously, I made a little joke there. I think Everton fans need to get out of that mindset of, yeah. and I think that the whole club does, because it happens so often. How many times does a player who hasn't scored in weeks, months, even years, and then gets his goal at Everton, a team who hasn't even won a game, and then they end up getting three points at Everton? So, West Ham. Yeah, well, there you go. So, obviously, yeah. I think that's that's all about mentality, isn't it? This is a very, very good time to play Man United, I think. You know, for a club of Man United stature and, you know, the success they've had over the past, you know, God knows how many years, they're an absolute mess at the moment, they are. Until we sent in Agent Moyes. Well, well, yeah, bring exactly, it down yeah. from the inside. There you go. So yeah, as Adam said, found the feet slightly a little bit. Did he, uh, couple of maybe one or two wins a draw against Chelsea. Mm. Obviously, they, they lost to Juve, didn't they? Um, Juve, a very good team, so it was always going to be difficult for United the way they are. But I think this is certainly a you know a very good opportunity for Everton to you know you know get on top of United and, and go for it. Really, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I get that. I mean, I think. Mourinho, I'd say the third season. It's a bit like when we played them. It's third season at Chelsea. We played them in the September, didn't we? Yeah. yeah got a month, three-one. Yeah. Looking last night, we've only beat Mourinho twice in seventeen games. Manager and Stephen Naismith scored all our goals. Yes. In those two games. <laughs> Adam, so, Adam Jones' that, favourite yeah, ever yeah. Everton player. Stephen so Naismith. I, I think it is. <laughs> You're laughing. <laughs> He's not lying. I, 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 I go back to what I've always said all season. Is I view this season as 
one of developments that wherever we start the end of the season in a far different and better place than maybe start and you can see a thread of developments over that eight or nine month period and I see this as like one of those games where actually I want to see it'd be great to win but I want to see us like compete for the start you know as I think before we came on mm. we were talking about that. I want to see us compete like we did at Arsenal yeah. um, you know where we were shown a bit more up front and I think we're more than capable of that and and not not intimidated by going to a so-called sick you know we've had this conversation millions of times on the pod you know having some sort of psychological block I want, I want to see us perform on the day to our ability and if we get a result great but that's the important thing um, and I think we have got an opportunity I think they're the looking at the start they've lost four out of their last 13 home games haven't they they took them 81 games to lose four before then so home form has stuttered a little bit and they got out of jail against Newcastle didn't they mm. so having so said it's it's you know part of development that, and that this season the result's not that important actually it's a great time to play them mm. and you know on a fully you know I want us to see us you know, I'm perfectly capable of winning on, on Sunday. Easy. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Absolutely. I think Easily. the problem is it is like it is a psychological thing, as you've just said there. There's just some sort of over the last few years, there's just been some sort of mental block or Everton that we can't go to go to these, you know, fated top six sides and you know well, I mean, put it, it put yes. it in and it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it just doesn't sit right with me. Like unfortunately over the last few years we've turned into the most generous team in the league you know if you are having a bad run of form play us and we'll probably we'll probably give you the three points if you're a striker out of form yeah you'll probably score <laughs> against Everton and I, I, I really just want to see that completely dispelled I think despite despite losing to Arsenal I think especially the first half gave yeah. me the hope that we're going to go to the go to these grounds this season and we're at yeah. least going to Go there and give it a go. Like we're gonna, we're gonna go for the win regardless. Yeah. Like I don't want us to go into any game this season and sit back and just lose try and well. just try and get a draw out of it. Yeah. You know, like like if we're gonna lose, I want to see us at least go out there and try to beat them. Yeah. It goes back to the arguments about the away performances over the home home performances. Though, like mm. you said it, like there seems to be a lot more opportunity and space for us to exploit. Um, you know, the home teams when we are away, and I think it's proved that especially with our results I know we got beat against Arsenal but the likes of Leicester and a few others as well there's, United aren't going to sit back yeah. I know Medini always probably a defensive man the manager but he's absolutely not going to sit back he's going to need he's going to need to win that game the pressure's going to be on yeah I just absolutely. hope they turn up on time to be fair that'd be a bonus <laughs> wouldn't it <laughs> going back to Ad's point though I think I, I always say this my default thing is is that we don't get results at top six clubs we haven't been good enough we haven't been good, good enough for donkey's years and um, I've seen the stat this season of how many points the top five has taken off everybody else. It's something mm. ridiculous, isn't it? They've only dropped yeah. eight points, haven't they, mm. all season against the, the other 15 clubs, which shows it's not just Everton who have problems, mm. it's, it's every other club. Um, but we're a better place than the other clubs outside the top five, stroke six, to get results, uh, you know, at teams at the top. And um, I fully expect, I fully expect us to compete well and get a result on if we don't get at least a draw mm. on Sunday I'll be really disappointed and that, that's yeah. an amazing thing to be thinking of like so early into Marco Silva's reign like I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have expected that to be honest but like he's I think this is the most confident I've been going to Manchester United in a while it's more a statement to them isn't it yeah you know to be fair on, on them but I do, I do think you're right we do look far more effective away from home if you've got a bit more space to play in mm. Um and uh, I think we we've got the players and the pace you can you can take advantage of that, which we've not necessarily had in the past. To be fair, when we've gone to Old Trafford, 
if 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 results go our way on the weekend, Ian, Everton could be three points off fourth, four points ahead of Man United if if they if they beat Manchester United. It, it, do you agree with Adam? Is is that something that would be, you know, even if we did just be Manchester United, we got a draw against Manchester United. Is, is that a quite remarkable start to Marco Silva's reign, especially where you consider kind of where things were at when we got knocked out of the Carabao Cup by Southampton just you know several weeks ago? Is that three points or fourth, depending on obviously other results yeah, and stuff yeah, like we'd, that? We'd need if we beat Man United and Arsenal and Spurs lost basically. I think if we end up beating Man United and you know. Three points or fourth, depending on the league table now. I'll be fuming because at the start that we had, we could have been second, third. I feel, I feel like we get, we get that a lot, don't we? Like, remember, like in that one good Martinez season, you know, we had a couple of draws at the start of that season, didn't we? Like, yeah. we had a nil nil away to Cardiff, uh, the two two on the opening day at Norwich, and you're just thinking, oh, if we'd have just got That's a win right. out of them. Obviously, I'll be delighted if we beat United, don't get me wrong, but it's like a lot of the teams, you know, especially United, don't seem to be fired on firing on all cylinders there. So the opportunity could be there. Maybe not to break into the top four, but certainly fifth and sixth, get Europa League. So with the start that we did have, the frustrating start that we had, and looking at where we could potentially be after Sunday, you'd be like, oh my God. I think the fact that he would feel disappointed about that, though, that's just... That is just showing the amount of progress that we've gone on, yes. like already this season. Already, like, I mean, it's tempered by the fact I think some geek this week did the analysis of all the team starts. We've had the easiest starts, haven't we? All the twenty Premier League. Yeah, I hope he's not listening. Oh, apologies <laughs> to the geek. Yeah. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, it's, but what I'm saying is that you, you can see that in the fixes, can't you? Like that, whatever we played so far, is it nine? Is it so far? This is halfway through the season. The next nine are far more difficult, Andy, than yeah. the. The last night. They're all away as well. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so in terms of our start, again, talking about how we develop over the season, I think I'll be far better placed sort of like the middle of end of December yeah, definitely. to see to see how well we progressed. Having said that, you can even in the nine games so far this season, if we were to play, go back to start and play the first three or four games like we're playing now, we probably would have get probably got far more points mm. off the Bournemouth Wolves games. Maybe even at Arsenal. So there's, you can see, you know, a positive trajectory, can't mm. you? Which hopefully will continue over the next seven or eight games. But if we're still sort of six, seventh, if we were six, seven at Christmas, I think that'd be a real result. As long as with the yeah. points difference is not too too no. much between, you know, fifth, fourth, and sixth and seventh. I think so it depends what you, you, you want to aspire yeah, to. This at, the, at, the, at the end of the day, like if it's just looking like as you said earlier, like we're just looking for a significant progression yeah. all the way throughout the season. Think as long as long as we're finishing up in like up around the Europa League places, you know, like at least properly challenging for them, if not finishing in them at the end of this season, I'd be I'd be more than pleased. I'd be more than pleased because going back to Sam's question to me at the start, it was important to get our signings right in, in the summer. It was because we inherited the inherited a mess, didn't mm. we? Yeah. In terms of playing squad, so if we do get in around the Europa League, bear in mind the whole thing. You know, it was it wasn't just about buying players in the summer. Eighty percent of the work was getting other players. Yeah. So in that environment, if we do get sort of like seventh, eighth, or dare I say even higher at the end of the season, that would be well worth. You know, that would be well worth everybody applauding. I think to be honest, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that'd be a real results. I think that's why, without harping on about it too much, why it's so disappointing going out in the cup though, because like you just said, then. <laughs> No, yeah. no, you're it, absolutely fuming, there, aren't you? No, no, I'm not fuming. I'm just, <laughs> just got just, the point, though. Gav's, Gav's just said there, you know, he's, he, 
he wants to see progression, but you kind of would be happy with a, a seventh place finish. Is that is that what you kind of kind of say? Over the season, it depends on circumstances. It, yeah, it, yeah. It, you know what I always say on the what I always say on the pod. It's like Rogers' first season at Anfield is where they started. They won three of the first fourteen games, but only lost two of the last seventeen games. Finished seventh, but you could see real progress over the campaign, and that's what I I want to say. But the the damaging thing for me about going up the League Cup, it's the nine players on the periphery game time. Yeah. So we had amenable to players, wouldn't he, by now? Yeah. For the stars. to be one or two other players. If we, in the next two two rounds, I say the League Cup or Carabao Cup, whatever it's called this season, would have got game time. And, and I think that's the damaging thing for being mm. out of it, apart from like, we want to win a trophy. Not we're not going to get relegated, players. are we? And we're, we're, There's going to be mistakes along the way, though, isn't there? No, yeah. there is. It's a process. I just think we're not going to get relegated. We're not going to probably finish fourth, are we? We're no. not going to finish in the top four. So, you know, how, if you want to finish fifth and sixth, great. You're going to qualify for the Europa League, but you, you're going to do that by winning in the League Cup as well. Should have just put everything into that. Anyway, I'm going to don't don't get me started. Anyway, I'm, I'm, so, yeah, I, I, I'm on. completely on the inside. I have to agree. I think we should just do a complete Carabao Cup show. Just with it, just with no, just no. a little sit down. About <laughs> just, just, just a weekly Carabao. Just a Cup. weekly Carabao Cup oh, rant about how it's still yeah, deep yeah. One in, one microphone. Do you reckon they, they would sponsor it, Carabao? <laughs> I, yeah. yeah, and we could just sit here with our. I, I tasted one of those Carabaos once, and the worst, the worst thing I've ever tasted in my whole life. Oh, really? Shocking. <laughs> so they're definitely not going to sponsor. Yeah, it there's now. the Carabao sponsorship. Yeah. I, I, I remember like, they they sponsored Redden a few years ago before they sponsored yeah. the League Cup, and when they launched the new shirt, they they did this mad shirt launch where they launched it into space and, yeah. and that was how that was how they yeah. revealed their new like away shirt it was probably the strangest thing I've ever reported on definitely weird well done Carabao yeah <laughs> but they should just send all the cans into space because the they did send the can they did send the couple of cans there the can went as well yeah Excellent. well there we go there, there's a little fact I'm sure they there. still announce signings like with at least like three cans of Carabao on the table in front of them. We had them ridiculous straws, didn't we? In, uh, <laughs> in, in Bangkok wasn't one of them. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's just at the time, which will be the tie of the round. That's a <laughs> Oh, no. I'm getting off. It's poor. It's poor. So going back, going back to the game, uh, Sunday, Richarlison, Adam started up front uh, last time out against Crystal Palace, but it was the two strikers, Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Cenk Tosin, who came on and got the goals. Same team again on Sunday. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. It, it, is, a di- it is a difficult one because I think it was right to bring on Tosin and Calvert-Lewin when they did because I think Sacco and Tompkins did a very good job of dealing with Richarlison. Like I, didn't, I don't think he got as much service as he did against Leicester, but they were just so much more physical with him than Wes Morgan ever was. Like they, they didn't let his, they didn't let his physicality bully them in any way. I think they used their, their experience really well. And I think they dealt, they dealt with him quite well. And even when he moved out onto the wing, I think he was quite quiet at the weekend. But I don't think Palace's defence got enough credit, to be honest, for no. how they did deal with our yeah. uh, attacking players. So, mm. You know, I don't think it was that Richarlison or even Bernard maybe had a, a terrible game. I think I just they just think they were they were very good defensively because yeah, the Palace. That yeah. Wan-Bissaka, like against Bernardi really impressed me. He's yeah. a top player, many. Yeah. yeah. But at, 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 at the same time, I feel, I feel like with Manchester United's defence the way they are at the minute, you know, they they've got some major centre back issues. You know, as I said before, they've got Diogo Dallo who's going to be 
out injured. You know, they're, they're not looking their best at the back. And I think perhaps just high energy, the way the way we went at Leicester, that's probably the best way to go at them. Just wear, wear them down as much as possible. So I think probably Richarlison would start up front for me, but... You know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be disappointed if Cheng Tosin came in or Dominic Calvert Lewin came in because in the day they they both scored they do deserve the, another shot at it. If, if one of them did come in, who, who drops out in your eyes? Well, that's the problem, isn't it? Like, I, I I just don't see who you take out of that. I'd I'd say perhaps Walcott. I think he had a quiet game at the weekend, but for who though? Exactly, like, Luckman. No, I'd I'd put. Richarlison out wide and put Tosin up front. Richarlison on the right, or Ben Bernard on the right. Richarlison on the left. It's interchangeable that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gav, you look quite, uh, you look quite vexed by the Walcott potentially missing out comment. I mean, like, I think it's harsh on any of them. Like, Uh, if if I was, if I had a gun to me, I don't know, was and I was told drop one of those players. Extreme. (laughs) Well, well, if if that happened, I think I'd just choose Walcott. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't to, necessarily be happy about but your, dropping but your, your overall opinion is that it will be the same three. Well, yeah, I'd want to see the same three. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, because I regularly say on the pod that I'm underwhelmed by Walcott on occasions. To be honest with you, yeah, mm. I don't think he involves himself in the game enough for me. Um, and um, over ninety minutes, he will on occasions, but he's involved in moments rather than full the full game and that that. that is that not that what a winger me. a winger can't be constantly uh, can't yeah? Yeah, but he still, I still, he still when should he gets be a one-on-one chance against Wayne Hennessy, you expect him to bury it. Still should be doing more for me. You think Wal- Walcott should be doing? More? Would you leave more. him out on on Sunday? Um, for balance purposes, now I maybe maybe drop Bernard and put the Charleston there and play Tosin. Be a good impact yeah. sub. To be uh, fair, I think maybe. I think why Bernard? Because I think. I think the combination of Richarlison on the left and Tosh in the centre forward is a better combination than Bernard on the left and, and Richarlison in the centre forward going to Man United. Ian? For me, it's the same team, just purely for the fact that it goes back to the point that we are probably are going to get a lot more space and a lot more opportunity to to um, you know get balls in the box and make opportunities for the likes of Richarlison. So... Like we mentioned in on the, the last podcast that we were with Chris Beasley, that I feel that that is very, very close to Marco Silva's best team. But, you know, in the modern day world of football, Premier League football, you, you know, you've got a squad, haven't you? So, yeah, I would have no problem whatsoever if Tosin was to come in and Richarlison was to, you know, drop left or on the left wing and um, Bernard was even to miss out and keep Walcott. I think... The pleasing thing is that we're talking about these options that, mm. that we've got and it's like, well, we'll put him there, we'll put him there. Usually it's like, well, he's in. Um, yeah, I want that. he's definitely not in. So it, it, the fact that it's provoking so much debate, mm. it's it's only a good thing. But I think for me, it, it's, it's... Can it be enough just for Dominic Carver-Lewin and, and Tosin to come on off the bench and score one goal? Yeah, they, they took the chance, but maybe you want to see them do that again and maybe you want to see them do it again and then they deserve to start in place. Mm-hmm. I, I think what, yeah, I, I, I get that. I think for me what showed on, on Sunday is that um, if you're a wing, if you naturally play all the time on the wing or like, you know, a large period of your playing time on the wing, moving to centre forward is a lot harder than what you think. It's not just like a case of like saying, right, okay, play like you do on the wing, but play in the middle. Your whole, your whole relationship with the game changes 
because when you're on the wing, you've only got half the pitch, haven't you? To the side of you, haven't you? If you know, if you know what I'm saying, you're only being marked by one player. There's normally probably a, a smaller, small bow full back. If you're going to centre forward, all of a sudden you've got to have a 360 degree view of the view of the pitch, what's going on around you. You'd probably be marked, as you say, Adam, about the West Ham two centre halves. You, you're going to be marked by two physically imposing players rather than maybe a smallish right back, maybe assisted by a, a deep line midfielder. And so to and you've got to have your view of the pitch has got to be completely different. And I think that's a re- if you look at it in those terms, there's a massive transition to move from from playing on the wing to playing centre forward. And as, as those West Ham played well defensively on on Sunday, I think it shows you that for Richarlison, it's a massive change to make to his game, to any player's game. And I think we saw that, and that contributed to to his performance. That it, against sort of deep line teams, especially. It's it's a difficult transition to me. Having said that, he did one good thing on on Sunday. That it was his ball to look. He found Luckman at the edge of yeah. the box, didn't he? Mm. Mm. Which was good to see. That even though he had a quiet game, he still had enough about him to find Luckman with the pass. Mm. But for me, his performance on Sunday is influencing why I'd play Tosin on a centre forward on 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 Sunday and play Richarlison wide left. I think it'll be a, um, I have a bear on it and whether. Gomez plays to be honest because if he can play those forward passes that he did against Crystal Palace then you know United are going to be a bit more pushed up so there's going to be more space in behind to get the ball in behind mm-hmm. and for the for the wingers like Walcott and Bernard to, to obviously get in behind as well so I think where, if he if he's going to play if, he, if he's if he's fit then for me you're going to need those Bernard Richarlison and Walcott players with pace to to run on to mm. those you know direct balls not into feet but you yeah. know in and behind the, the United defence. I think Tosin offers something completely different. Whether it's you know he's a bit more physical, maybe is he and and, and stuff and stuff like that. I, it, I believe. It, I think he's a natural inside the box player. Yeah. Tosin, like if you get if you get him the ball inside the box nine times out of ten, he's probably going to put it in the back of the net. I don't think he's this you know natural number nine no. you know does it all by himself sort of striker like no. I, th- I think we do need him inside the box but going back to your point on Gomez there I'd, I'd want to see him you know making a few of them powerful runs that he did you know he had a couple of times where he just picked up the ball and ran for 40-50 yards like straight through the middle of the Palace midfield I'd love to see him doing that against Man United yeah I, I was saying then that there's no place for Tom Davis in the foreseeable future if Gomez is fit based on what we've seen so far I, w- I wouldn't say that. Like I, I, I said before, the Palace game, which got me got me a lot of stick on social media as well. That I felt sorry for Davis and Kenny. I wasn't saying that they shouldn't have been dropped. I was just saying that I felt sorry for them. I think both of them, like Kenny, have put in the best performances I'd seen at right back throughout the season. Then again, I think Coleman pro- did very well when he came in against Palace. And then Tom Davis, I think his best performance of the season was against Leicester. I think he was really combative in that midfield, so energetic. Like, he's making a few of them good forward passes that we were seeing from Gomez, maybe not as many, but he he was he was very clearly trying his hardest. So I, I don't wanna I don't wanna think that there's no place for him. Yeah. But at the same time I, I just find it difficult to see how in it, I, I find it difficult to see any situation where I'd think, oh yeah, I'll I'll drop Gomez for for Davis, but like, like if he continues in that in that sort of vein of form, then it 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 just makes it so much harder. 
Davis has got a future at the club. Sorry, to interrupt there, but I think effectively he's been thrown in at the deep end, doesn't he? And whether, and I don't think he's been ready to, especially to take on the captaincy. I've said it in the past, um, but you know, over the next couple of weeks and months, the period that he has had in that team where it maybe hasn't gone as, as swimmingly as Michael Silver would have wanted, hopefully will have gained so much experience and benefited him. Yeah. Because he, he hasn't been ready for me. He really hasn't, especially to be captain. He should never have been put in that situation. I'm not saying he's a bad player or he's never going to want to be a good player for Everton. I think he will. I think he could be a cracking player for Everton. But at the moment, I think it's probably the best thing, is especially if Gomez is fit and um, even Snardland to an extent. I don't, don't think Tom Davis not be anywhere near that team, but have the responsibility on his shoulders to make Everton, you know, make things tick for Everton's midfield. That should be down to Adrissa Garner Gay and Gomez and then Sigurdsson. Last little bit handed to, to you, Gav, before we go into score predictions. A different test for Andre Gomez tomorrow, though, isn't it? No disrespect for Crystal Palace, but it. it, it Sorry, Sunday. It'll yeah. be really uh, interesting to see how he does against a Manchester United midfield at Old Trafford. Yeah, yeah. Interesting test for everybody. Um, again, it's past this development thing I was talking about. Uh, be a different game. Defensively, probably have to do more, which, which perhaps you didn't have to do as much on uh, on 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 Sunday against Palace. But it, it, I think, to me, four three three. Say so your three midfielders. You would have one who sits deep all the time, one who sort of more box to box, and one who likes sort of like your Sigurdsson role. It'd be interesting to see the who does the the box to box and who sits deep out of Gomez and just a Garner guy. Mm-hmm. Well, ju- just to finish as as we usually do, I've just had a quick look there in Preno's picks. He's gone for a one-one draw, Everton, Manchester United. Don't know why he hasn't plumped for an Everton win. Mm. Uh, Adam, what are you going for? I'm going to go 2 0 Everton, and I want, I want Michael Keane to score. You want Michael, a yeah. bullet header? So yeah. you can give him another six? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with, uh, you know what? I'm going to go with 1 0 Everton. Yeah. 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 And Ian, even though you've already admitted you're going to fume if we win, <laughs> what, what score line are you going for? Uh, I'm going to go 2-2 two, two. I think there'll be goals another, another draw right, okay. I'll go with a 3-0 uh, Everton let's go three for nil, it let's it's Friday we're all we're all about to clock off let's I can go just for confirm I definitely won't be fuming if we win 3-0 <laughs> will, will you be sitting there quite happily with a can of Carabao absolutely <laughs> <laughs> well Ian, Gav and Adam thank you very much for joining us and even more importantly thank you very much for listening and let's hope for a positive result for the Blues on the weekend we'll be reacting to that on Monday You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.